Ho, 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 individuals who celebrate Christmas. I realize this episode is posting after Christmas, but whatever. We're recording in (laughs) December, so I'm feeling festive today. Welcome back to the IBS Freedom Podcast, your one-stop shop for all things gut healing. I am joined, of course, by the lovely, the amazing, the talented Amy Hollenkamp, RD. Hello, everybody. And this is Nervine Part 2. So if you recall, we left you on a cliffhanger and we cut you off right in the middle of the M's last time. And now we're going to get back into the rest of the M's and the rest of the alphabet. And first of all, my little disclaimer, I'm not an herbalist officially yet. One of these days I'll add that official accolade, but like I'm still learning this myself. But these are some of the things that I've learned so far, and these are some of the herbs that I've used to great effect clinically. So for what it's worth from me to you, a little bit more about Nervines. But first, pop quiz. Amy, what is a Nervine? Do you remember from our previous Nervine Oh, gosh. I'm trying to remember the exact... uh... Again, I wasn't feeling well that day, clearly. (laughs) I don't know if that's going to be in the video or if that gets cut out, but... Pretty much trim that out, but yeah. Okay, well... Yeah, last time I wasn't feeling super well. Um, that's why we're breaking this up in a couple parts. But I think, again... It would have been a beast of an episode anyway. Right. Well, the gist, I would say, is nervines are compounds that help to, like, tonify the nervous system in some way. Um, yeah. Is that a good summation? Okay, yeah. yeah, I think. Okay, wow. Ton- you're a- tonify or maybe nourish or, right. like help the nervous system in some way. Yeah, you were okay. right on the money. Well, I've, I've listened even though I was in r- rough shape last time. Yep, yep. and you're, you're looking more chipper today. So we will, we will have- I'm nice feeling time. good today. I'm feeling yeah. good today. I was, some last of my time I was a little- Some half of the alphabet too. Okay, good, good. I'll yeah. be more like with it. I feel like it was towards the end. I, I, people should go watch and see me just like, like, as the episode goes on, look at the color of my skin. Well, I don't know how much will show up, because I actually had the, the latter part of that episode just, like, completely trimmed off at okay. some point. Yeah, I got your back. I got your back. Okay. People okay. are just going to see you as your gorgeous self, not as your Oh, excellent. Self. Excellent. Yeah, but, you know, we all have those days for sure. But let's let's pick up. So we left off in the middle of the M's. And we had talked about milky oat was the last one we really got a chance to talk about. And that was the herb. And again, it's the same oat plant that we think of for like oatmeal and mm-hmm. all of the many things you can make out of oats. But they they harvest it when it's milky and there's a little bit of, of stuff coming out of the tops and you can tincture it. And it's really nice for frazzled nervous systems that are just... Like the expression I've heard is so fried, they're crispy. Mm, so people yeah. who are just severely burned out, severely frazzled, overworked for years or decades or a lifetime, like milky oat is really great for kind of restoring and nourishing the nervous system in those individuals. Then it, one more thing. It's funny you mentioned that about milky oats. One of my probably the most severe case of burnout I've ever seen in a human being just like was a college athlete pushed her body to an insane level and then Mm -hmm. was an overachiever at work and in sales and doing like insane deals like million dollar deals all the time like 
you know, never had a lunch break, was always traveling on road trips. Would the phrase addicted to their own stress chemistry maybe apply to this one? Right. So that is correct. But she, again, this is when I was a little bit less hip to Nervine's. I think we might have been early on working together, or like doing our podcast together, but mm-hmm. she swore by Nervines, like mm-hmm. more than anything else. So she would take them yeah. kind of in the evenings. Yeah. So that's the only thing that could like help downregulate her a little bit um, yeah. and make her feel less fried. So I think it's interesting you describe that to a T as being something that for someone that like her, that would help because it made total sense in her scenario. Yeah. And I definitely think like Nervine's just across the board can help with that kind of like, you know, mm-hmm. overworked, frazzled, stressed out person. Right. Um, but yeah, like the really frazzled, like the deep fatigue, the deep burnout, the the really depleted, like I've given to everybody else but myself for many, many mm-hmm. years. That's really where Milky Oat seems to shine. Right. And yeah. And it, but it's, and again, maybe herbalists listening could correct me, but my understanding is it's not like a quick fix herb mm. so much. But if you think about right. it, the person that we both just described has probably been running themselves into the ground for years or decades or a lifetime. And mm. like one dose yeah. of milky oat isn't going to fix that. It might not fix it at all. It might help kind of take the edge off of that. And then you still need to do the harder stuff. You need to, you know, implement some of the stuff we talked about in the last episode with Emma, for example, Mm. therapy, hypnotherapy, acupuncture, you know, whatever floats your boat, but you still need to do like the deeper work and ultimately stop running yourself into the ground. Yeah. (laughs) That whole thought. Well, and that's, that's such a great point too, because it's, and that's usually how I describe adaptogens and Nervines a lot of the time is like, okay, you could notice there's an adaptogen I sometimes use. It's a blend. It's called ultra energy. And it's like, I have to preface before I would, you know, have someone supplement with this. Like you aren't going to have ultra energy. Like this is a misnomer. Like it might take the edge off. Right. You might like, I just don't want to set unrealistic expectations. Like you might notice an increase of energy that that's really nice. And that makes you feel good, but it's not going to be ultra energy. And I think, what you can view nervines and adaptogens, and I know we're going to do a whole adaptogen episode, which I'm excited about, but you can view these nervines as helping you get over the hump so you can actually focus on yeah. some of the, the core things. Because if you're running on empty, maybe yeah. these give you like 5 or 10% back and it's like, okay, mm-hmm. what can I do with this 5 or 10%? Can I focus on getting more sleep? Can I focus on, yeah. you know, Can doing a little bit of stress management? Therapy? Right, yeah. right. Yeah, I think it. these herbs can pave the way for the deeper work that needs to come. Mm-hmm. But yeah. for somebody who's mega stressed or me- mega anxious, like, we can kind of get in our own way to a degree. Mm-hmm. And I think that the herbs can help you get out of your own way. Um, that's one of the ways I would say they work. Um, the other thing that I like to tell people, and for those of you not watching on YouTube, you'll kind of miss out on the visual here, but the way I oftentimes explain nervides and adaptogens to a degree to people is mm. on a day-to-day, you're probably living in some degree of this like crappy stress roller coaster of, mm. oh my God, stress chemistry, crash and burn. <laughs> right. Oh my God, stress chemistry, crash and burn. 
And for those of you not watching with the visual, like I, I'm raising my hand like above the top edge of the screen and below the top edge of the screen. It's like a roller coaster, so to yeah, speak. Yeah, like a really bad one. Right. And the nervines and to some degree adaptogens will help regulate it so the peaks and valleys are not as high or as low and the slope of the hill is is more gentle. It's right. not to say you won't have days where you're more stressed or that you're making more stress chemistry, but it's not going to be as profound of a pendulum swing as it might have mm. been pre these herbs. Right, like rolling hills versus yes. mountain peaks and valleys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Um, but yeah, I think milky oat in particular, um, I would not say it's a very fast acting medicine in the sense, but like mm. given the people that it's targeted toward, I think that makes perfect sense. Mm. Um, versus some of these herbs, you can feel a difference more quickly. Um, and we'll get to like passion flower, for example. I think people can have a cup of passion flower tea and then notice something of a difference within a couple of doses. Mm. Um, but before I jump into the peas, because we're going in semi-alphabetical order again, uh, we'll go back to mimosa. So mimosa flowers are really fun. It's albizia. If you look up, you know, like a Google image search of mimosa flowers, they're these cool little pink puff balls. They look like little pom-poms. Mm. And it's a tree that's native to China, but somebody somewhere decided, this is really pretty. I'm going to bring one back to America. And then, of course, they spread. So, like, we have them all over the place here. And they're, you know, somewhat invasive, but they don't get to be absolutely enormous. And they are medicinal, so I don't really have too much of a problem with these. Uh, but they have these really, cu really cute little pom-poms. They usually are flowering around here mm. in June, maybe like late May, early June. You can actually pick the flowers and eat them, or you can pick the flowers and make like a tincture or a tea with the flowers. Or usually like if you get a tincture or a supplement, usually it's going to be the bark of the mimosa tree that's used. Um, this herb is said in particular to lift the spirit and like be a mood elevator. To that mm. point, I did hear somebody recently say in like an herbalist webinar that you might not want to give this to somebody with a history of bipolar disorder mm. because it might lift them up to a point where they go into a manic episode. Mm. I don't know. I haven't, he I hadn't heard that before, but this guy has a lot of experience and I trust what he says. So I would generally take that to be worth something. Right. Um, but it's, it's said to, this is another one that I think is supposed to be calming for the Shen, which is kind of like the TCM version of what we would consider the heart in mm. um, like the emotional kind of heart. And again, it, it lifts you up. It's a mood elevator. So yeah, it's, it's a nice little plant to use. I don't use it a ton, but I use it sometimes like if I'm making a formula that's for like stress with a little bit of depression or depressed mood, I might add that in there. Yeah. Um, well, I'm not familiar with mimosa, the herb too much, but it's always good to learn. I'm just familiar with the other mimosas. And, you know, in hindsight, why did I not bring a mimosa to work today? Oh my gosh. Had that, wouldn't that have been perfect if I was sipping on a mimosa? Side note, can we just talk about the YouTube experience for this podcast is unmatched. Oh my God. I was telling, so I don't remember, but one of my favorite patients stopped by to pick something up and we got talking about the podcast and she was like, oh, well, I don't watch it on YouTube. I only ever listen to it. And I, she was in my office and she saw this toilet paper that says, oh my God, poop, you are 50. 
And she was like, I know you're not 50 years old, so why do you have this decorative toilet paper hanging up in your office? And I was like, oh my God, have you not seen the 50th episode? And I showed her a short clip on the YouTube channel of how we were completely decked out for mm-hmm. the 50th episode. And I'm sipping on my red wine because, you know, like what would a white woman want at her 50th birthday? Oh my gosh. Wine. Right. Absolutely. But anyway, so if you're not on YouTube right now, you're missing out on some of the experience. Just going to throw that out there. Um, mm-hmm. But back to the herbs, not to digress. Um, the next one that I, I became more recently interested in is motherwort. As mm-hmm. the name implies, it's good for mothers and women and female kind of stuff. So again, like going back to you could experience stress or you could experience anxiety and that can look different for different people, right? Mm-hmm. Some yep. people get anxiety and they just feel it all in their stomach. So, you know, like the butterflies and the turning of the stomach. Mm-hmm. Some people feel anxiety very much in their chest and their heart and they'll get like fluttery heart or palpitations or tachycardia or cardiovascular symptoms of anxiety. That's where you want motherboard. It's mm. fabulous for like anything. If the, if the stress or the anxiety is affecting your heart or your cardiovascular system, motherwort is really, really nice for that sort of stuff. And it's also really helpful for um, like female issues, particularly it's said that it can um, encourage menstrual flow somewhat. So for women who have really, really light periods or women who just haven't, haven't gotten their period in a while and they want to try to get their period, Motherwort can kind of gently encourage one to get their normal cycle. Um, in a similar vein, I've seen it written that you maybe shouldn't use motherwort in women who have really heavy bleeding mm. and probably not in pregnancy. Cause again, if it encourages bleeding, maybe we don't want to do that in pregnancy, but it is, it's really, really nice for anxiety, particularly in the chest and the heart. And then it's said to be, it's said to be helpful for like the energetic heart you know, Mm. like broken heart and that sort of picture of the heart as well as the physical heart itself. Mm. Some other word for the win. Mm. Kind of a weird name. Some of these are weird names, like shepherd's purse. Yeah, that one's a bizarro one for sure. Um, Any of the wart ones make me chuckle. Like we'll get to St. John's wart and it just, I don't know, it just doesn't sound like. Yeah, we don't want a wart. Yeah, like we don't want a wart. Darn it. Right. But you know, mimosa. Mimosa's fun. Nice herb. Yeah. yeah. Or or the next one on the list, passion flower. Mm, Don't yeah. you want to be more passionate in your life, Amy? Like who wouldn't want this? And I want more flowers. There you go. And passion flowers are freaking beautiful. If you've never seen a picture of one, mm. like do a quick Google image search on this one too. They're they're a very intricate, very peculiar looking flowers. Um, I remember there was somebody I used to walk or ride my bike to school a lot when I was in grad school because I lived like a mile away and it was in Southern California. So the weather was literally perfect every day. Mm. And I remember on the days that I would walk, there was one yard and they had passion flowers and it was like a a vine that was falling over the wall or the the fence that they had. Mm. And it was the highlight of my walk every time. It was so pretty. I got to see those passion flowers. That's awesome. And I know they can grow in Southern California. I, I can't imagine the Northern climates would be good for passion flower. But if you live in the South, you can grow these. Passion flower, my favorite question for people when I'm kind of fielding, if this is appropriate, 
the question I like to ask when we're talking about stress and anxiety and like their constitution is, are you afflicted by mind chatter? Hmm. Some people, when I ask that question, will go, I don't know. What do you mean by mind chatter? And I almost always automatically say, you don't have it. <laughs> like if you right, don't know what right. that is, you probably don't have it. Right. Um, some people I ask, do you have mind chatter? And they go, oh my God, yes. All day, every day, right. it drives me insane. And it's just like that that voice in your head that's either being super critical of like, you suck, I can't believe you said that, they're going to judge the shit out of you. Or I have 8 million things to do tomorrow. Did I put that on my to-do list? I should right. write this down. I should email that person. Did I do this? Did I close the door? Did I leave the burner on? Right. If you have that voice, passion flower might be really helpful for you. Right. It's like rumination sometimes. Yeah. Like sometimes people are even replaying things in yeah. their head. Like I yep. I have a tendency to do that sometimes. It's not all the time, but like mm-hmm. if I'm stressed about something or if something happened, I'm like, oh God, like what could I've done what yep. could I've done better? Or like what could I've done mm-hmm. differently? And it's like you can ruminate on that idea over and yeah. over and over again and it's like nothing changes. Yeah. Um but yeah I I've used passion flower because we've talked about it prior. I don't know mm-hmm. when, but I've had a number of people do passion flower tea since mm-hmm. we've been podcasting together and I yep. found it to be really helpful. Most people really like it. It's nice. It, it makes a pleasant tea. It's fairly cheap and easy to mm-hmm. get. Um, right. And yeah, it just, it can help kind of quiet that mind chatter and like that restlessness and agitation. And again, like mm-hmm. some people can get anxiety and they might not have that piece right. of it. Um, but for the people who are like, oh, mind chatter all day, every day, totally hundred percent. And interestingly, mm-hmm. I remember I asked this question uh, of a patient more recently, and she said, I used to, but now I'm, I've am i been meditating for X amount of time, and mm-hmm. the meditation controls the mind chatter. And for those people, I would still feel like passion flower might be helpful, because mm-hmm. it's almost like you're trying to gauge kind of like what are their tendencies and what are their quirks, like right. what's their default programming, right. and then... And you can kind of base herbal recommendations on that somewhat. And if you're using another tool to manage the symptom, but without that tool, you would still have that symptom. Mm. That would be a helpful herb for you still. Right. Right. Yeah. Cool. So that's the story of flower. flower. Now, are you ready for another really great name? Skullcap. Mm. Who names these things? Um, (laughs) The skull cap, and you know, I'll share kind of a funny little leisure. It's a mushroom, right? Is that a mush- more of a mushroom? No, that's that's the death cap, my dear. And that'd be deadly. Maybe there's a skull cap <laughs> mushroom. I'm not really sure now, but I think oh, there's maybe. death caps. Oh. Do not use that as medicine. People. I know. Well, I'm also, people are probably like, why is she research- researching death cap? Um, no, I... <laughs> Not that I've ever researched. I don't even know what death cap is. I just thought skull cap was a was a mushroom for some reason. No, Mm-mm. no, it's mm. um, it's a flowering plant. Oh, cool. So okay, not a definitely not a mushroom, but uh, but yeah, this one, this is actually one of my favorite nervines that I use quite oh, nice. a lot. I usually will use it as a tincture, but I it might be available in pills as well. I'm not sure. And to be clear, first there are two types of skull cap. So there's like American skullcap, Scutellaria, I think Latiflora is the, the name. And then there's Bicale skullcap, aka 
Chinese skull cap, and they're pretty different. Like by mm. kale skull cap, like Chinese skull cap, I would more so use for inflammation purposes. Like it's a very profound anti-inflammatory. Right. Um, American skull cap is more going to be on the nervine side and helping with the nervous system and like emotions and stress and that sort of stuff. Okay. And it could be that I'm just ignorant to the other uses of the other skull cap, but I'm much more familiar with this one. But this is, remember, we talked about this, I think a little bit with, which one did we talk about? Blue vervain, I think, where I, I was saying that you could experience stress in different ways. It'll manifest different ways. So like blue vervain is good for people who are stressed and afraid, mm-hmm. right? Like they fear the future. They fear this thing. They fear this outcome. They're thinking about worst case scenarios. Skull cap is great for people who are stressed and angry and tense. Mm. So it's a different, different kind of picture for the person. Um, and somebody could have all three of those things, right? You could be scared, angry, and tense. So you could blend them together. But this is the person where they might have fly off the handle rage or like right. outbursts when they get stressed, for mm. example. Like they, they can't control their temper. They just boil over when they're really stressed. Mm. Um, I've also, I remember once, and I wrote this down uh, so I could paraphrase it, but there, an herbalist once said that skullcap is great for people who feel personally attacked by mm. every light, every sound, every ray mm. of light, ev- everything is just like attacking them personally. And right. it's good for that sort of feeling of anxiety. And it can be useful sometimes for tension headaches. Cause if you think again, like the people who are angry and tense probably are the people who are like clenching their jaw, shrugging their shoulders up, balling their right. hands into fists. So that tension, if it can alleviate a little bit of the tension, it could be helpful for tension headaches as well. Right. Nice. Yeah. Wow. I'm just learning so much from you. Yeah. Yeah. And, and look, and I, not even a bona fide official herbalist yet. Just imagine. A, well, and, and I think that. again, like though coming from the functional medicine side, I know we've talked about it before Mm -hmm. while i think herbs and different things are used it's more willy-nilly just talking to you about it in the past it's it's like they might know general right right it's different um so again i think of you on the spectrum of that as like compared to most functional medicine providers you're well ahead of the the game yeah i think i lean more toward herbalist in that regard right Right, which again, like, I think is an important note. You might not be quite herbalist level yet, but you'll you'll get there. Thank you, thank you. Yes. I'm I'm learning, and I've got a million books and a million different things yeah. I can learn from. But and it, you know, it's one of those things. Like, I'm moderately fascinated by accolades. Like one of these days, I will register with the American Herbalist Guild and officially right. call myself an official herbalist. But like, right. does it actually mean anything? Probably not. And does mm-hmm. it mean that I'm gonna just like stop studying herbs? And I'll be like, okay, I know all right. the things. Like, no, I'm still right. gonna learn herbs after that. Um, it's kind of like like once you learn about nutrition, like you don't stop perusing PubMed and looking for new mm. research on nutrition. I hope so. Well, you're a, you're a curious lady and you're a lifelong learner. So you're not necessarily going to close the book on new information, but I think some practitioners do, unfortunately. 
Yeah. Well, that that's maybe a, a topic for another time. Right. Right. <laughs> um, we could go down some rabbit holes. Tell me your next yeah. herb. Yeah. Well, and, and I'll throw out there too, um, to go back to your point, because I can't resist the the temptation to throw my okay. profession under the bus just a teeny bit. Okay. Good. Um, <laughs> and again, oh. it's, it's so funny because like now I know that there's at least one review of this podcast giving me shit for giving my profession shit. And mm, now I'm just like, yeah. like I'm still going to do it. Like, right. I think it's for a good reason, but uh, what I would say now, kind of having, having been in that world and now kind of pulling myself out of functional medicine a little bit, and again, hanging out more with herbalists, um, what I would say is that the use of herbs in functional medicine is pretty allopathic in nature. Mm. Um, so like allopathic medicine would be like Western medicine, conventional medicine. They're all, they're all kind of synonymous, right? right. Of like you know, you identify the symptom and then you take a drug for the symptom or you go to a specialist and then they identify the symptom and they give you a drug for the symptom. And oftentimes in functional medicine, for better or for worse, we get these, these products like Mm. blends and products and proprietary blends and labels. And the companies will market it to the doctors or the nutritionists or whoever very much like pharmaceutical companies market to mm-hmm. doctors and medical students. But like, you know, I don't want to hide it. Like Apex Energetics, Zymogen, Designs for Health, like all of these companies, Thorn, all of these companies hang out at the seminars and conferences we attend mm-hmm. and they get our emails and they send us shit in the emails and they will send sales reps to our offices to meet with us. Yeah. And it can be a great educational tool, but if you're not careful of that and mindful of that relationship, it can verge on like the relationship a medical doctor might have with a pharmaceutical rep. Right. And it, it's a very hazy line where one becomes the other. But I think that for, you know, some of the industry is funded by the supplement companies. A lot of the education is done by these supplement companies and they want to sell you their stuff. And there's a little bit more of a tendency to go the route of like, you have, you have a patient with a swollen prostate here, get prostogland. Right. Or, you know, or like you have somebody with depression, get depresso max. Right. Or whatever the proprietary thing is. And it's not that that's intrinsically a bad thing, but it's maybe not as tailored as it could be for mm. the individual when you compare it to like what herbalists typically do. Well, and I think you and Thomas made that point. I think when we did the herbal episode yeah. too, which again, if you're interested in this stuff, definitely check, check that oh. one out. But I think he used the term like green alleopathy yeah. uh, to describe it. And I think that's a good way to, yeah. to think about it. But yeah, it's sort of how can we make a product that sort of more one size fits all for a particular issue versus maybe you know a product or again using herbs more um more from an individual standpoint versus like a broad spectrum standpoint yeah and it's not to say too it's not to say that herbalists won't do that to some degree right like david winston is very well respected as an herbalist he's been practicing i think for like 40 years he's been teaching for a long time and his company herbalist and alchemist where I get a fair amount of my tinctures from, like they have both. They have individual herbal tinctures that you can purchase or they have 
a fair amount of compounded blends that are labeled, you know, for ailment X, Y, and Z. And like, I think it, it, the difference is he doesn't have like one blend for stress mm, or one yeah. blend for nervines. He has several different blends of nervines that, so you can sort of pick the best for the individual. And right. I want to. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a little different than say to just pick on Apex, even though I love the company, but like say um, Adaptocrine, the adaptogen right. blend by Apex, it's like everything but the kitchen sink. You can just tell mm-hmm. that Karazian or whoever was going through PubMed was like, oh, here's a good article saying that this herb helps with adrenal stuff. Yep, put that in. Put that in the recipe. And it's like, there wasn't quite as much thought as far as like tailoring it to something more specific Mm. than stress and stuff. That's right. Um, Right. But some people love that formulation, so I'm not going to knock it entirely. But let's get back to the herbs. So the next one is moderately famous. I think actually quite famous for several reasons. Probably most of you are familiar with it. And that is St. John's wort, another wort for us to talk about. Hypericum. It's a very pretty yellow flower. But what's interesting is if you find it growing or if you grow some yourself, under the leaves, there's like these little mm-hmm. dots on the underside of the leaves. And if you kind of like crush it up in your fingers a little bit, there's a red yeah. oil that'll come out of that. Whoa. So you can kind of like verify that you found bona fide St. John's wort by kind of like crushing yeah. it up a little bit and seeing, I forget, I think it's the leaf. I don't know if it's in the flower as well, but you can kind of crush it up a little bit and see if you get that red oil on your, on your fingertips to verify. I could really see you St. doing that in the woods. You know, and yeah. it does, it grows, it grows around here. I've seen it at least one time, um, just a little hmm. bit. I didn't harvest it or anything, but yeah. Um, so St. John's wort has been, pigeonholed for two reasons can you guess what they are what the things are that it's pigeonholed for one is it it's some sort of mental health is it depression yeah depression being one what's okay. the other reputation that saint john's wort has like i'm like putting poor amy on the spot okay i'm i'm going to take a guess no i'm not gonna guess tell me <laughs> that's right uh drug herb interactions out the wazoo oh okay okay yeah. Yeah. yeah, that I mean, like, mm-hmm. you know, you want to look at that for most herbs anyway, but St. John's wort is the one that is the poster child for this. But here's the weird thing. So I'll get to the depression piece of it first. So first of all, it's nervine. It has a particular affinity for the nervous system. So it's really good for things like herpes and shingles and chicken pox and those viruses that hang out in your nervous system, which is pretty mm-hmm. neat. It can be helpful for nerve pain or spinal cord injury, like anything where the nerves are pissed off and they're causing pain. St. John's work can probably help either if you take it internally or if you apply it topically, uh, the oil or like make the tea and make like a compress. Um, Mm. That could be really helpful. So one of the claims of fame is nerve pain for this herb. But, Mm. um, you know, if, if you take it, Oftentimes you'll see this warning of like, beware of drug herb interactions. And the reason for that, and I forget if we went into detail in our detoxification episode last year, but basically with detoxification, you have phase one, and this is mostly happening in the liver, but you have phase one um, enzymes that convert the, the thing into a different thing, but mm-hmm. it's not excreted yet. And then you have phase two enzymes that convert the thing again and then ultimately it can be excreted after that second step. Mm-hmm. St. John's wort speeds up the first step. Mm. So 
what could happen is a you could get potentially like intermediates that are not being processed like if you don't have enough glutamine right mm-hmm. or like the phase two stuff to get it done but the bigger deal is that you could take a drug and i'll just i'll throw one out there like um like maybe an antihistamine or an antibiotic or like a right. blood thinner you could take a drug and then this herb is so good at aiding in detoxification mm, that it yeah. can make you process it too quickly. So you never get a therapeutic dose of the drug and it can lower the effectiveness of the drug. Mm. That's the rub with St. John's work. Now, the thing is, if you're not on any prescription drugs and you're not worried about that happening, I love to use St. John's work as part of a detox protocol mm. because that's the whole thing. It helps you detoxify. That's why we are so concerned about the drug herb interactions. So as long as you are either not on prescription medications or you are on prescriptions that you have double checked or your provider has double checked and there's no cause for concern with St. John's wort specifically, or if it was a drug that you were intending to wean off of and get off of in anyway, um, then you could use St. John's wort as part of like a detoxification, mm. like liver kind of um protocol just be mindful of the the interactions because it will make you excrete your drugs more rapidly and then Mm. you're not going to get a therapeutic level in your blood anymore right yeah but it's good to know about little saint john's wort right and like this thing that again the conventional world sees as a negative can actually be spun to be a positive thing in the correct context and for the correct people right well and and who's saint john do we know that I don't know who St. John is. I'm not religious enough to know anything about John himself. Well, I mean, I grew up Catholic. I feel like there was a St. John, but was he involved in St. John's sport or did they just take his name for the name? You know, I I couldn't tell you. That's a, uh, that's an intriguing question, but I don't know Hmm. the historical the, the historical bits of the naming because like mother's um, wart we know that it's for potentially like more women and women. mothers yeah yeah and then saint john's it's like well saint john is one john? person <laughs> right <laughs> who is saint john we, we need out, to john. know and how is it related to the herb that's okay. i'll have to do I'll... some investigative re- reporting and if get i get bored if i get bored and i don't feel like listening to k-pop on YouTube on my phone. I will research who John was. Yeah. But I can't I can't guarantee that I will be both bored and not in the mood for K pop. That's gonna okay. be a Again, I might have to do I might surprise you with this information. I might do okay. it just because I love you and not okay. because of my own curiosity. Well and again um, I could do some investigative reporting for us and you know we'll present my we'll findings see. next. Yeah we'll we'll see. Okay. Um, but here's Here's another tidbit about St. John's wort, speaking of which. So again, it's known as the antidepressant herb. It's not effective for all types of depression. I heard an herbalist once say that it's particularly helpful for like GI and liver-based depression. And Mm. he likened that to people who get depression and they also get like that like sour stomach or Mm. like sinking of the stomach, like kind of piece to the depression which i thought was interesting um i don't know how you would identify like gi-based depression otherwise um 
I mean, it, it could certainly have overlap with our world where like we see people who have SIBO or dysbiosis or candida, and then they think that the depression is secondary to the gut problems. Maybe, maybe that could right. be a parallel, uh, but mm. I'm not really sure what else he meant other than like the feeling of the sour stomach, the icky stomach that goes along right. with it sometimes. Um, right. But I'll, I'm going to read something too, because I think another thing that St. John's were um, again, is, is known for is the depression, but particularly seasonal affective depression. Mm. Um, so, you know, like if you're in the Northern latitudes, like Amy, not so much for me, but if you're in a place in the world where you don't get a whole lot of sun for part of the year, that kind of, oh, I'm bummed out because I haven't seen the sunlight in a long time. Right. Depression. If you pair St. John's wort with lemon balm, that has been well studied and proven to be effective for seasonal affective disorder. Mm. So for what it's worth. But I thought that this was interesting. So I, I was kind of going through a couple of my, my books before we hopped on the call today. Um, but I thought that this was an interesting little tidbit that somebody added in here. And it's like, it's mildly clinically useful, but it's also kind of just neat how it worked out. Um, so there's a section in, in each, uh, under each herb for like the characteristics of the habitat of the plant itself. And the author said, this plant is a very communal sort of creature. She likes to be with her friends, not just her family. She needs to have contact with yarrow, queens and lace, plantain, grasses, etc. She will only, that is the only way she will be happy and healthy. She does not like being put into long rows of just St. John's word. She will bring light into your heart. She will allow you to understand your own need for community and need for social connectedness. So funny enough, probably all of us should have been taking this herb during right, the pandemic. Right. Because it's also especially well-suited for people who are depressed because of lack of social interaction and they feel isolated and bummed out because they don't have many friends or they're not having regular contact with other people. Right. So, we're connection, herb. we're connection deficient. And uh, who knew St. John's work, work is a she. Yes. Yes. Well, I think, you know, it's kind of like ships are generally thought to be she as well. Like that's kind of the default assumption. Right. Ships. Right. Um, I, I do find, I think herbalists kind of assume that, that the plants are female until otherwise okay. uh, noted. But yeah, I think that, that it paints a picture and you know, it makes me wonder, I really hope someday some smart, smart person does research on St. John's War and the vagus nerve specifically. Hmm. Cause like, doesn't all that talk about connectedness and community and connecting mm -hmm. with fellow humans and nature and crap. Doesn't that make you think back to all of our Vegas nerve episodes where we talked right. about connection being like rocket fuel for the Vegas nerve. Right. It makes me wonder if St. John's work might be helpful for the Vegas nerve in part because of that connectedness thing. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's, that's a good point. It's intriguing. Another thing we can investigate further as well as who is St. John. Yes. Arguably that is so much more important. Right. But, you know, <laughs> who are you, John? Where did you come from? Right. Right. Sorry. I'm getting um, my little chip pillow. Yes. Uh, here we go. And for, for what it's worth to kind of round out St. John's work, I wasn't finding a, t in my kind of, reading to prep for this episode and refreshing my memory, I wasn't finding a ton specific for gut necessarily. Mm. But again, it makes me wonder Vegas nerve connection 
and St. John's wort is said to be a bit bitter and bitters mm. are generally good at promoting digestive processes. So that's a week maybe. I will weigh in also to go back. All of the books that I've read and all of the resources say that motherwort is very, very bitter. But you know what's bizarre? I took motherwort recently. Oh, I was I started to say that. I got acutely interested in motherwort because I was feeling like some chest tightness as as mm. stressed out recently. So I took some motherwort and I do think that that helped. Um, but what was weird is every time I take an herbal tincture, I mentally prepare myself for the worst. Like I just automatically think this is going to be vile and disgusting and horrible and awful. And I'm going to hate it. And I water it down. So I'll, I'll put like a little bit in like a shot glass or a Dixie cup and I'll water it down and then I knock it back like a shot. And when I took the motherwort, I was like, yeah, it's not that bad. It, I, it vaguely had like a robustness that reminded me of coffee. Maybe ish or maybe beer. I don't know. Maybe I'm confused. But what was what was interesting was I took that before I read about it more for today's episode. Mm -hmm. And then I took more of a deep dive and everybody is saying it's super, super bitter. And I'm like, I wonder what it means that I did not perceive it as being terribly bitter. I wonder if that's like if that means that it's really good for me, that it's right. like a, a bitter herb that I can tolerate. Right. Because we talked with Thomas, I have a severe bitters deficiency and I, I test anything that's bitter. I won't even drink beer because it's bitter and I hate bitterness. But I don't know, like I might explore motherwort just a little bit more. I am a mom. Hmm. So if for yeah. no other reason, maybe that's something. But yeah, I might explore this herb just a little bit more because it's apparently a very bitter herb that I don't perceive as being terribly bitter. Yeah. So It's a wart for mothers. So, And I'm a mom. Right. I don't I don't have a wart and I don't really want a wart, but I guess I could take a, a compromise. Mm. I used to get warts really bad when I was younger, like all the siblings did. Mm. We get them all over our feet and it spreads like from kid to kid. Yep. And we had like a wart doctor. Okay. And to wrap this up, you know, I was used to going to the pediatrician and the pediatrician had pictures, like all her patients drew her pictures and the wart doctor had no pictures because she was like a normal doctor seeing adults too. Oh, yeah. You know, so like she doesn't have pictures on the wall. And so I was like, well, she doesn't have like pictures. I'm going to draw her a picture. So I literally was like the only patient that drew her a picture. And I put like best wart doctor ever because I oh. called her the wart doctor because she was just a dermatologist. She was a dermatologist, yeah. essentially. That's really cute, though. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So fun story about warts. But Little that's Amy. enough. Well, I will raise you your wart story and I will throw out another wart story. Okay. So I had a wart on the bottom of my foot for a while, like a little while. And like you a know, planter a, wart or something, you know, yeah, like, yeah. like a planter. Yeah. And it was just enough to be annoying. Like it wasn't painful. It wasn't really mm -hmm. bothering anybody that much, but it was just enough to be a bit annoying. And I wanted it gone. And my husband leaned slightly more towards being germaphobic. He's not, but slightly leaning that direction. So he was like, oh, and so I was like, all right, I'm going to get rid of it. And I found some stuff on the internet that you mm -hmm. could put duct tape on the wart and basically smother it. And oh my gosh. so I was like, okay. So I started putting duct tape on my foot and Mike the whole time is like, no, it won't work. This is preposterous. And I was like, I don't know. I found a pup bed study that says duct tape will right. work. And it was on like, it was on a part of my foot where it was kind of hard to get the duct tape to stick to the foot for the whole day. Mm, yeah. Um, but like I would shower, put the new duct tape on, 
and wear it as long as I could. And um, I don't know if it was that. I also did put on some essential oils. I don't remember which ones. And also um, maybe the ultimate cure is I became pregnant. I don't know which of the three, but at right. some point over a while of doing those things, becoming pregnant, using the duct tape and occasionally dabbing on some essential oil, it went away. Wow. So I cured a plantar works and I'm very triumphant about that. I will have to get into contact with my old war doctor. Let her know duct tape, pregnancy, essential oils. Yes, exactly. She'll probably be like, uh, our relationship is over. Get out of my office. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Enough. Um, All right. right. Well, moving on from the warts, we've got just a couple of more. So we're winding down the alphabet mighty quickly. This is proof that I'm not a bona fide herbalist yet. The next one I'm going to reserve for the adre- or the adaptogen talk because truthfully, I don't know how to classify it. And that's holy basil, a.k.a. Mm. Tulsi. Some people classify it as an adaptogen. Some people say, no, it's not an adaptogen. It's more of a nervine. I don't really know. I haven't taken a super deep dive on Tulsi yet. So I'm going to reserve that one for the adaptogen talk because I feel like more people are willing to call it an adaptogen rather than not. So that one's going to be reserved for another episode. But for those of you listening who are like, oh, God, she didn't talk about holy basil. It's cool. I'm going to get to that. Just I'm going to kind of kick it to that other episode, which means that we have two remaining on the list for today. Valerian. First of all, Mm. it is the stinkiest, stankiest herb I maybe have ever come in contact with. I don't know. And I'm sure herbalists would beg to differ, but my God, it is just, it's like wet gym socks. It's not a pleasant <laughs> smell. I, I remember I, we had this like bulk herb store when I lived in, in Arizona, it was in Mesa. And I went there every now and then and kind of shopped around and got some bulk herbs. And we had a dog, Bonnie, who was terrified of thunder, terrified. Mm. And she was a neurotic basket case. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to try some herbs. And I got I, I got like maybe two or three herbs, just the bulk, like loose dried herbs for a dog. And I put them in her food, mm-hmm. like the dry, you know, it's like putting dry oregano on top of your salad or whatever. It probably was not, right. eating, but she was a beetle. Right. So she would eat literally anything. So it was cool. I don't think I ruined the experience for her with the food, but I remember the day that I opened up the Valerian and I used that. My husband came back from like shopping or school or something like that. He came back. I had fed her the kibble with the valerian in it, sealed it up in a closed container, and then like an hour or more had passed. And my husband walked in the apartment and was like, oh, what is that smell? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) So it was pungent. I thought I had gotten rid of the smell before he got home, but he was like, whoa, what's that? Uh, But that being said, it is a very good nervine. This is one that is blatantly sedating. So I think mm-hmm. briefly we talked about hops is kind of borderline on that line with mm-hmm. sedation. I think I've heard some herbalists say that passion flower is kind of borderline sedating as well. Valerian's very sedating. Like it'll knock your ass out. Right. It's be a welcome thing for people who struggle with sleep. And that's why it's pretty famous as not a nervine, but as an insomnia herb. This one is one of the few herbs on this entire two-episode list that is warming. Almost all mm. these other 
herbs are cooling to some degree or another, or they might be more neutral. Like I think, um, like St. John's Wort, I've seen both, but I would consider it a little bit more neutral. Um, but this is one that's actually warming, quite so, to a point where if you have somebody with, if you have somebody who's like hot all the time, or they mm -hmm. have no problem producing heat, like my husband is a damn furnace, he radiates right. like you wouldn't believe, like this wouldn't probably be a good herb for him because it might make him more hot and sweaty versus me. I'm cold all the time. So my body agrees with this just fine. Right. Right. Then I have to deal with the stinkiness, but you know, it is what it is, but yeah, it's pretty sedating. It's pretty warming in Thomas's book. Actually, I'll, I'll point out briefly. So in his modern herbal dispensatory, by the way, solid book. That's why mine looks in rough shape because I've had it for a while and I've used it a lot. He makes an interesting point to say that, valerian is better for people with sympathetic excess rather than parasympathetic excess now i don't know if that would apply to anybody listening to this podcast honestly but one of the ways he said that you can kind of differentiate is it's more appropriate for people who have bigger pupils versus people who have teeny tiny little pupils which mm -hmm. would indicate that there's some degree of parasympathetic excess at least like pupillary wise mm -hmm. um, so i thought that was a really interesting point to mm -hmm. make is that it's, it's going to be probably better suited for people who have big old pupils and they're right. really really stuck in that sympathetic overdrive place and also people who are tending to be more cold and tending to be insomniacs and they need to be kind of knocked out a little bit right yeah and again know. it's stinky so if you can get stinky, it as stinky um, yeah if you can get it as a capsule that might not be a a bad bad idea let's see i think i oh and i i knew i bookmarked this for a reason so again i had something i wanted to briefly read this i cannot speak to because this is an herb i didn't do a deep dive on valerian before hopping on the call um so this is kind of the, right. the overview of valerian but i thought this was interesting when i pulled up one of my books this author said notes useful for general nervousness nervousness and insomnia valerian also relieves gas, spasms, pains, and general symptoms of stress. Hmm. Hmm. So I don't know if I would call this like a gastrointestinal herb necessarily. I don't know if that's what it's well known for, but it is bitter and spicy and warming. And if that indicates it probably has some aromatic or volatile components to it. And that right. could be good for digestion. I don't know. I haven't really used it that way, but I might start a little bit more and I'll just tell people to get over the stinky, stinky smell. Cause I'm going to be putting it into tincture usually. Yeah. We'll see. Mm -hmm. Although I will say I've, I've also purchased Valerian capsules and open up the bottle. You can totally still smell it just for the record. Just so you know. <laughs> and actually, okay. So here's, can I tell you a completely unrelated story for just a moment? Okay. Yes. So of I course. use Valerian. Of course. Of course. This is the IBS freedom podcast. <laughs> so I had gotten Valerian and tried it out on Bonnie. Side note, it did not work for her. Um, and that was like my very basic level of understanding of herbs at mm -hmm. that time. Like Valerian yep. probably wasn't well suited for what she was dealing with. But it didn't really help. And then fast forward several years later, like five, six years later. So the office that I'm in now, we moved into this office, I think in 2017. Prior to that, we had an office in the same exact building, but it was upstairs. So mm. it, when I was transitioning between the offices, like the, the previous tenants got out, they painted in here, 
everything, you know, they cleaned up enough and then we were moving our stuff in here. The previous tenants left an odor, hmm. an aroma, if you will. And, you know, we, they were kind of slobs, it looked like. Hmm. Like you could see, like I, I've got the nice windows out front. Like you could kind of take a peek in the office when they were in here and they just had piles of crap all over. Right. You know, they, they just had piles of shit lying all over the place. And like, you could tell they did not care. Um, so they left and I noticed the smell when they were still here. And I was like looking around the office to make sure I wanted this space. And my landlord was like, no, like the smell will dissipate when they get all of their stuff out. Cause like, mm. look at the place. And I was like, yeah, that's a valid point. Sure. Well, they get all their stuff out. They move out. They clean up the office. We come in with our stuff and I'm like, it definitely still smells. Like, a lot, actually. Hmm. Like, okay. And the landlord said, no, it'll take a couple days to really air out good. Like, okay. It did not air out. It stunk. Like, I don't even know. Like, wet feet and rotten food. It was not a good smell. Or like a big fart. And finally, (laughs) we got to the point, like, literally, I, I, did you know, and this is going to go back to Valerian, you're going to see. Did you know that there are people that you can hire and they will come in and look for a dead animal in your home or office. There are an people. exterminator. No, I don't remember if he was an exterminator. Okay. Wildlife, something. I don't even know. I found this guy and I had him come out and he, he like sniffed around. He looked up in the ceiling and cause I thought it was a dead animal. And he was like, no, I'm pretty, pretty sure you don't have a dead animal on your hands. I was like, okay. That's cool. And then I met this woman in like a local mom group and she was like, well, I'm super, super sensitive to mold. I can sniff out mold a mile away. Do you want me to come smell your office? And I was like, yes, please. So the mold lady comes and she walks all around. She's like, oh, it smells, but it's not mold. Like, okay, turn it. And then I thought, I was like, oh, there's a real stinky herb, valerian. Maybe they got valerian and they like made a tea or they got the oil or something and maybe they spilled it on the carpet because the carpet had a bunch of stains. Right. So it was like, maybe it's valerian. So I went to Whole Foods, got valerian capsules and was like smelling it and then I would smell the carpet. I was smelling it and then I would oh smell my the carpet. But I was, I was going around on all fours and my husband too. We're going around in all fours in the front area, like taking with valerian, taking with the carpet, taking with valerian, <laughs> taking with the carpet. Cause we were like, well, this is real stinky. You guys are going to pass out. I know it was not valerian, but again, it smelled bad. We finally to draw a conclusion to this thrilling saga. Finally, I told my landlord, I was like, look, it's gotta be the nasty ass carpet. Like look right. at it. It's got stains. It's old. They didn't replace it when the old tenants moved out. And again, they were mm. slobs. They were pack rats. I was like, I think that they just spilled something. And the carpet is disgusting now. And I told the landlord, I was like, look, if you rip out the carpet and put in new carpet and it does not correct the smell, I will stop harassing you about this and we will pay for the new carpet. Mm-hmm. If you replace the carpet and it gets rid of the smell, then you're paying for the carpet. Cause like the office right. was unusable to us anyway. So he's like, okay, that's a fair deal. It was the carpet. And I'll mm-hmm. never forget because then we had to move all of our stuff out into right. the parking lot in order for the carpet people to replace the carpet. So that was joyous. 
but my husband and I were here the day they were ripping it out. We were shuttling everything to the parking lot and like kind of watching it. So somebody didn't come plow into it with their truck or something, you know, right. it was like in the middle of the day on a Wednesday that we were doing this and we take, it took up like two parking spots with all our crap. And so we're out there and they, they take a big roll of this old nasty carpet out and they put it out on the sidewalk. And I remember my husband being ever the inquisitive one crouched down and and smell oh the carpet. I remember his face immediately. He was like, "Oh, oh my god!" Yeah, this was it. This this was the smell. Oh my and god! The smell, the smell was gone ever since. Wow. So, but yeah, for a moment, I, I really thought it was a dead animal initially. But when that hypothesis was debunked, the only other thing I could think of that was that stinky was valerian. I was like, I don't know, maybe. Oh my they god! Are like really hippy dippy, and they were using valerian a lot. I don't know. I'm not selling this herb well. It's a very helpful herb. It's just, I think it's awful stinky. Um, but last last but not least, our friend Thomas uh, piqued my interest in this one some episodes ago, and that's wood betony. Mm. And it's funny, again, like just looking at different resources and to make the point that you can't ever learn from one person or one resource because you're just, you're going to get an incomplete view of, whatever it is that you're trying to learn about. Right. Uh, and it's not a bad thing. It's just, that's, that's how it is. No human or no resource knows all the things. Uh, but for example, in this book here, very short, shorty bit about wood betony. All it says really is used for anxiety induced headaches, nervousness, various minor aches and pains. Like, well, that's humdrum. What I've, come to realize now, thanks to Thomas primarily, is that, yeah, like it's good for headaches, but it's because it it's relaxing. It's an antispasmodic. So if you're mm -hmm. getting headaches because your neck and your jaw muscles and like all of your muscles are tight, I think that's probably how it alleviates the headaches because right. it's relaxing to muscles. Um, but to his point, it's really useful for IBS I think in part because it's relaxing and a lot of times when you have really inflamed, irritated tissue that can translate to seizing up and locking up and tension right. in that tissue. So I have found it really helpful for IBS. I usually will use this with other herbs as part of a formula, but I'll usually use this with people who either say that they have tension in their abdomen or like part of their their GI complaints involve tension mm. of some sort right? or people who, when they're stressed, you know, they're like shrugging their shoulders, clenching their teeth, balling up their fists, mm. like similar kind of vein. Um, when we talked about relaxing herbs and like how stress can manifest as muscular tension. And then some people mm. don't get that quite as much. So I use it quite a lot for that, but yeah, I, I've come to really like this herb a lot in the last however many months it's been since we talked to Thomas initially, I've been using mm -hmm. it a lot more recent, a lot more because of that. And it's damn effective. So nice. would recommend 10 out of 10 on the wood betony. Wow. And we made it through, we made it through the, the Nervines. Whew. This has been on the docket for a long time. I know. We've been talking about doing Nervine and Adaptogen episodes for quite some time. So I think. Just had to it, knock it out. Well, it, it was, it was perfectly sandwiched with emma's episode i just can't mm -hmm. i can't speak highly enough of that episode if you guys didn't watch last week's episode definitely check it out and if you haven't checked out her youtube channel 
therapy in a nutshell, it is a fantastic resource. Actually, even like, um, I don't know if you could see this on the camera much. Have I shown you these yet? No, Maybe? what is it? Okay. It's a little metal ring and it's called an acupuncture ring or acupressure, I forget which. Hmm. But all you do, it's like this little um, bumpy little metal ring. They're dirt cheap on Amazon. You can get like 30 of these for 12 bucks. Hmm. And you just, you like, you know, go up and down your finger, up and down, up and down. And it's hard to describe, but Emma mentioned it in one of her videos quite a while back, maybe a year ago. And she was saying that this can be like a cheap, easy tool for people um, that are stressed or anxious and that she finds it helpful. And I got some just to try them out. And it is weirdly soothing. Hmm. Um, I don't know you know, fully how to describe it, but it's, yeah, it's bizarrely soothing. And it's funny. I just gave one, the, the favorite patient who saw my, holy shit, you're 50 toilet paper and was like, you're not 50. Why do you have that? Um, I gave one to her cause I've got like a bag of them now. So I was like, here, have this. And she immediately was like, Oh, this is great. <laughs> oh my gosh. And she was saying she bites her nails. Mm. And she was like, I think this is actually going to help me not bite my nails anymore. Cause like, it's like stimulating right the fingers and it's it's a you know it's a thing to do with the fingers mm, but it's right. not destroying my nails so i'll have to i'll have to fill you guys in and tell you if that worked out for her or not with the nail biting specifically but yeah kind of oddly soothing and i learned about this because of emma's youtube channel because again i've been following her for quite a while so acupuncture rings or acupressure rings dirt cheap on amazon and bizarrely soothing i keep one in my purse and one at my desk now Dang, I need to get me a acupuncture ring. Yeah. Think hmm. of it like a like a fidget toy, but right. also with like a particular sensory kind of bend to it. Like it's just a, a sensory sensation. experience. Right. Yes, a, a sensory experience. Exactly. Yes. That's a good way to word it. Yeah. And as always, I hope that the IBS Freedom podcast was the experience you were hoping for, folks. We went through most of the neurofines I could think of, there is a couple of like really obscure ones that I didn't, I didn't cover today, but for the most part, these are some of the biggies. And these are the ones I feel like you could use at home without the guidance of like an herbalist to help you along the way. Um, like I said, just be careful with like the drug interactions with St. John's wort and away you go and, and let us know in the comments if you've tried any of these herbs, if they've helped you, if you have found that St. John's wort was helpful for your depression, or if Woodbetany was helpful for your IBS, or whatever it might be. Uh, leave them in the comments down below on the YouTube video, and we will check out those comments. And you guys know the drill. Catch us next time, the next episode mm -hmm. of the IBS Freedom Podcast on podcasting apps and YouTube apps everywhere. My darling, Amy bid you adieu until next always time. always a pleasure always Absolutely. a pleasure Absolutely. my dear <laughs> bye